Amen. I'm going to read, I'm going to read the entire text from um, verse 10 down to about verse 18 so we can get all of the meat today. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all power, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You may be seated. You may be seated. Christian Warfare Part 2, I've subtitled this, Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. That's what you signed up for. You enlisted in the army of God, and whether you like it or not, you are involved in spiritual warfare. That means that we have an enemy. That means that an enemy, a foe has a plan. That means that that enemy wants to keep us from doing the divine will of God. Every Christian, understand this, your number one priority is to walk in and do the divine will of God. Now, I've been in church my entire life, my entire life. I have been, I didn't say I was a Christian my entire life. I didn't say I was a believer in my entire life. I didn't say I had on the whole armor of God my entire life. I said I have been in church my entire life. I don't remember a season of life where Ralph Graves Jr. did not get up and go to the house of worship at all, whether it was Mount Olive Baptist Church where I was raised, whether I went off to college, I found a church down there, whether I, I was in the service, I found a church there. Wherever I was, I understood this culture. But here's the funny part. I didn't experience many victories. Who am I talking to today? I didn't experience many victories. I knew how to church speak. I knew church in ease. Bless the Lord. How are you? God bless you. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I knew all the verses. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, right? But didn't know how to use the weapons that were availed to me. I, under, I, I, I understood all of that. I talked the language. I walked the walk. I knew in what churches I can wear jeans and what churches I had to wear a tie. I knew what was important to each denomination. I was in the church. I wasn't necessary. I, 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 I was saved, but I wasn't walking in the authority. I had not experienced the abundant life that Jesus promised. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I'm, I'm thinking the abundant life is a new house. I'm thinking the abundant life is no trouble. I'm thinking the abundant life is the finest clothes. I'm thinking the abundant life is all this other stuff. But that's not what the abundant life is. Because life, no matter who you are, believer, no matter if you're a believer or non-believer, and I'm going to get to my sermon in a minute, you will have troubles and trials and tribulations as long as you are on this planet. I don't care who, 
Who told you life was supposed to be easy? I don't know who told you that. Jesus himself, the creator, the one that hung the sun, the moon, and the stars, he says, in this life, you will have tribulation. He said, no matter what, I don't care. I don't care about the American dream. In this life, you're going to have trouble. In this life, your heart will be broken. In this life, you will cry tears. In this life, people will do you wrong. In this life, you will have setbacks. You're going to have some victories, but life is full of what? Trouble. Job said, man's days are short and full of trouble. Once you know and once you accept that I'm going to have trials and tribulations. I can get on being the person that God called me to be. All right? And so, and so I, I, I didn't know what this abundant life was. I didn't know, man, I'm struggling. I'm in church. I've got ups and downs. I'm doing dumb stuff. And then I stumble across Ephesians. I stumble across Romans first. And I, and I meet this, this apostle Paul. And he, and he sounded like me talking. He said, you know, the good that I want to do I don't do. I said, oh my God, oh my God, he's writing it. He says, the evil that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. I said, oh my God, is Paul me? Paul, I know what you're talking about. It's almost like I had this, 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 this Christian schizophrenia. I don't want to do wrong, but God, I find myself doing wrong and having the wrong attitudes. And the good that I want to do, I do it for a moment, but I don't live it as a lifestyle. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me? And Paul says, I thank God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on, we get to Ephesians, and it was like, I watched Paul's maturation. And Paul tells us that this battle we fight is not in the physical. So the problems that I have with people is really not the person, but it's the force driving the person. All right, my enemy is never the person in front of me, but the force is driving the person. And Paul says, you have to realize you are in spiritual battle. He says right here, this is just a review, we wrestle not, talking about believers now, your problem is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so if I'm going to be victorious, I've got to know how to fight that battle. If you're going to be victorious, you're going to have to learn how to fight that battle because I'm here to tell you everything that shows up in the physical, in the life of a believer, is a result of, a of what's going on in the spiritual. If I'm losing constantly in my physical, it's because that I'm not waging war correctly in the spiritual. Y'all tracking with me? Y'all getting this? Y'all some very intelligent people. But anyway, and so this is what, we're, what we've been talking about. And so, and so in our previous study, we talked about that. And so he talks about the equipment now. He says the first piece of equipment that you need in spiritual warfare, he looked at the Roman soldier, he says is a belt. Now, the belt is not super sexy. I know y'all want a gun. Y'all want to, he said, no, a belt. He says, the belt. The first, and if you notice, even in your own attire, without a good belt, everything else falls apart. Y'all looking at me like crazy. I know the young boys want to wear their stuff down here, right? And I loved it when I was a police officer. I loved it because that joker couldn't get away from me if he tried. <laughs> if he had a belt, he probably would have got away. But because he had to run like this... Oh, bro, I got you. I got you. I got you, right? So the belt, 
And so, so many of us Christians, we have this helmet of salvation, but no belt of truth. And we're going to talk about that belt today. I keep telling you, I keep telling you, you got to be careful. We're in this war, and a lot of us, we're saved. You, you, you can be saved and sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost and still lose here in this realm. Still lose. Listen, I'm here to tell you, it's going to break somebody's, mess my theology up. You can't praise your way out of everything. You got to face some stuff. You can't praise your way out of everything. If you could praise your way out of everything, there wouldn't be no need for the armor. If you could praise your way out of everything, out of everything, Paul didn't have to write this chapter. So you could praise all you want to, but you've got to fight sometimes. You got to fight all the time. So anyway, let me, let me talk about the belt. Because I just want to drive this point home because we're going somewhere in this next decade. The belt is the first piece of equipment that he mentions. Now, the belt for us, for us believers, is sincerity. The belt of truth, right? Right? It's the belt of truth. I believe what, what Paul is saying is, is, to, is to us, sincerity for the Christian soldier is, is, is what we need. Listen, when the scripture speaks of sincerity for us, it means a genuine, singular desire to please the Lord. Let me say that again. When it speaks of truth and sincerity, it's speaking of a genuine desire to please God. I said it at 8.30, and I'm not going to keep repeating myself, but I got to say it to the 10 o'clock crowd. A sincere desire to please God. Most of us want to please God long enough to get out of trouble. And then once I get out of trouble, I don't want to please God no more. I'm going back to be self-centered. That's, that's not sincerity. That's not truth. I, want to, I, I give, I serve, I sing, I do everything right just so God will mend my broken heart or just so God will dry my tears or just so God will hear my body or just so God will find me a mate, just so I can finally get it my way. And then when God blesses us, we no longer... Serve him genuinely. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to start, because I want you to think about it all. Why did you become a Christian in the first place? Why? Why did you become a Christian if you want to remain self-centered? Yeah, I, I know this is tough talk, but this is good meat, okay? I'll give you some sugar corn pop later on, but this is the meat of the... Now listen, I said to y'all before, right? I got waiting for me at home. See, meat is good, right? I know we got a lot of vegetarians all this stuff. I got... Where's Tim at? Tim? My neighbor went to this butcher called Arnie's and got me two cuts of a 22-ounce dry-aged ribeye. Good meat. Good meat. George, I'm going to cook that thing just right. Good meat. Good meat. I'm a vegetarian too. All my meat eat grass. That makes me a vegetarian. Good meat. What I'm giving you today is good meat. It's dry aids. It's good meat. And you're going to grow on that thing, right? And so he tells us that the sincerity, sincerity means that I have a genuine desire to please God. Answer that question within yourself. Do you have a genuine desire to please God as a lifestyle? Not as a moment, not as a season, but as a lifestyle. Life is what I got, style is how I live it. As a lifestyle, 
Do I have a genuine desire? Do you have a genuine desire to please God? If you do not, you do not have the belt that you need that holds up all of the other equipment that you have to fight with. He said, belt's not sexy, but the belt holds everything together, right? Matter of fact, making God number one is what God commands of you. Without this belt of truth, you will never, you will never be who God called you to be until you do like Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13 says, what does the Lord God require? That you fear the Lord your God. That means you respect him. That you walk in all his ways. That you love him. That you serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his statutes. Why? Because it's for your own good. And Joshua tells us in Joshua 24, 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Deacon Waters read it in Psalm 145 that the Lord blesses those who serve him where? In truth. If you don't have a sincere heart, in other words, if you don't have a sincere heart to please God, if God is not the center, you don't have the belt on. Now I know a lot of us walking around with the helmet of salvation but can you imagine if you showed up with just to war with just your helmet on? And that's the way we approach every day. We show up and we got a helmet and just drawers. That's all you got. That's underwear for y'all. You don't know drawers on. But they just show up and we expect to win. You have to have the belt of truth that holds up everything else. I, I, I know this ain't preaching you want to hear, but it's preaching you're going to hear because you need to have the belt of truth, right? God desires, God demands sincerity. The psalmist tells us in Psalms 51.6, he says, God, you desire sincerity in our innermost being. Jesus clearly states this, and I'm going to move on because I think you got it, but I, I need you to hear from Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 37 and 38, he says this, anybody who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves a son or daughter more than me, and I'll add husband or wife, is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life, you know, doing what you want to do, you're going to lose it. But he who has lost his life, that means decided to walk in the will of God, will lose, has lost his life for my sake, Jesus says, will find it. Then in Luke 14, he says, if anybody comes to me and his love does not compare as hate to his own mother and father, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he, I'll add she, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, Jesus is demanding front row center of your life because as long as he's front row and center he is the belt that holds everything together if he is not front row and centers front and center are you a disciple according to jesus we're not 
Yeah, I know that doesn't sit well, but don't get mad at me. Get mad at the writer Luke. Get mad at Matthew. Get mad at Jesus when he says, listen, if your love for me does not compare as hate to all those other things, you can't be my disciple. You can't. He didn't say you couldn't make it to heaven. He just said you can't be my disciple. That's what he said. He said you can't be. And so this belt of truth, I want victories in this life. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of losing things in the physical that should have been won in the spiritual first. I'm sick of it. I'm 51 years old. I'm sick of having losses, right? I'm sick of just being around religious people. And I'll talk about those folks who are not sincere. You know the word, but you don't live it. That's called hypocrisy. I can't be around that. If I want victories, I have to be sincere sincere in making Christ the center of my life, not just on Sunday morning, not just on Wednesday night, not just when I'm in trouble, not just when I want a prayer answered. He has to be the center of my life. From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, I have my eyes and my mind focused on him. In other words, in other words, let me tell you how easy it is, because some of you might think it's hard. It's, it's this easy. What you know about God and what you know about the Word, simply live in it. The commandments you know, you use them as a compass for your life. Simply walk in it. It's not difficult. You know, my, my uncle used to say all the time, probably got it from my grandfather, people do what they want to do. That's just the bottom line. All of you do, including myself, you do what you want to do. And so I will venture to say, if Christ is not the center of your life, it's because you don't want him to be. And if he's not the center of my life, how in the world can I have on the belt of sincerity? Y'all see where I'm going? All right, all right. Praise the Lord for a few amens. Praise the Lord. Let me, let me, let me move on, because I think y'all got that point, right? There are those who talk spiritually act righteously when they're around other Christians. However, when they get away from fellow Christians, they're, they're, and they talk about none of y'all because I know y'all godly all the time. When they get away from other Christians, they conduct themselves in an ungodly manner, right? Uh, this, this is what Pastor Titus says in Titus 1.16. Paul's writing to young Pastor Titus. He says, they profess to know God, but their deeds, they deny him. But by their deeds, they deny him. They are detestable, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. In other words, it's not what you do. In other words, this goes back to the phrase that you love to coin, the Lord knows my heart. He does. He really does. Let me say it again. He does. So you can fool me, you can fool the person next to you, but you can't fool God. You can't fool him. And watch this, it will be evident in what we see in your life. It'll be evident in what we see in your life. Let me move on, right? Let me move on. We, we know about those who act religious and, 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 and folks like that, right? But I want you to examine yourself. Why did you become a Christian? Why, did you, why do you come to worship services? Why did you come out here to worship this morning? What motivates you to perform good deeds? Is it your genuine aim to please, serve, and glorify God? Or are you merely pretending? Is it real? Or, or is it just an acting performance? 1 Peter 2.1 says, Let us dedicate ourselves to the Lord, putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy. Perhaps we became a Christian for the right reasons. 
Perhaps our motivations and intents, at least in part, are genuine. However, sometimes we can lack the sincerity, which is a complete surrendering of our heart and will to the Lord. We don't even like that word surrender. But a complete surrender to the Lord as a lifestyle, not as a moment in time, not just to complete a task, but as a lifestyle, right? So, so, so are, are you glorifying God? Are you pleasing him? If, if, listen, listen, pleasing him, serving him, glorifying him is, 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 could be a priority, but not the highest priority. And I don't believe in stacking priorities. There's only one priority. So the one priority must be to please God. That is a, that, that consistent total commitment, it has to be there. Your priority must be to please God. Jesus says, Jesus says in John 13, 13, you call me master. You call me Lord. You say well because I am. I am all of that. But how is it, how is it that you try to serve two masters? For either you will love one and hate the other, you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. Let me make a sports analogy. You can't play for the Phillies and the Mets at the same time. Can't play for the Flyers and the Red Wings at the same time. The Sixers and the Jazz, you can't do it at the same time. The Eagles and the Giants, you can't play for both teams at the same time. What makes you think that you are only a Christian part-time? That on Sunday, I'm a Christian, but on Monday through Thursday, I'm just like everybody else. And you think that you can experience victories and Christ is not the center? You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Listen, I'm preaching like this because I want to be in the front row clapping for you. I want to be in the front row saying, look at what God did with her life. Look at what God did with his life. As soon as God became the center, as soon as they put on the belt, they were able to put on the other equipment and have some victories in spiritual warfare. Give God some praise for your future victory. So Jesus is saying this. Jesus says this. In other words, Jesus is saying that I'm either the master over all or I'm not master of anything. You see, a true and sincere servant can't be divided in loyalties. Paul speaks of this truth when speaking of the role of the godly servants or the godly employees and employers. He says, listen, obey those who are your masters in a singleness of heart. And whatever you do, work heartily. I know you can't stand your job, but the fact of the matter, God has allowed them not to fire you yet. Because you are not irreplaceable. I know you think you're the only one that can do what you can do. No, let me help you out. Let me help you out. We will preach your funeral on Tuesday. They will hold interviews on Wednesday. By Monday, somebody be sitting at your desk doing your job might be doing it better than you. And so the fact that God allows me to have a job that maybe I can't even stand says that, listen, I'm going to work wholeheartedly at this thing as unto God because if I'm faithful right here, if he's the center of my life right here, I'm going to have some victories. There'll be some elevation. 
God, I, you know I don't like it, but God, I'm going to love it. I'm going to walk in there and praise your name. I don't like the people sitting next to me. I don't like the people in front of me or behind me. But, Lord, if they could just see you in me, God. Yeah. Christians ought to be, what do we say? Thermostats. Thermostats. That means we change the temperature of the room. Thermostat changes the temperature. Thermometer tells the temperature. Stop telling me the temperature and start changing the temperature. And you change the temperature when Christ is the center of your life. All right, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get to this thing. I'm losing, y'all. I just, I, just, I just came to church. I thought he was going to preach, you know, for unto us a child is born. For unto, I am. I'll, I'll get there. But this child was born that I might have life and have it more abundantly. This child was born to die. This child was born so that I might be able to see God face to face. And this child did not leave me weaponless in this day-to-day world. So the first thing you got to do, Christian, is put on your belt. Let me ask you a question here. It's, it's, it's about sincerity because in sincerity, God is first. Do you give our relationship, do you give your relationship to God, do you give him the best of your time or just your spare time? Let me ask you that. Does God give, you, you know the best time of day you operate. You know, for me, it's 5 a.m. and 2 o'clock. I'm 5 a.m. and 2 p.m., maybe 3. I'm at my sharpest, right? At my best times of the day. After that, eh, yeah, yeah. all right, start declining. 8 p.m. is coming quick. By 8, I'm nodding. You know, after Bible study, I've got the windows down, singing loud as I can, trying to get home so I don't fall asleep in the car. Do you give your relationship with God the best of your time or your spare time, right? In your monetary support of the Lord's work and cause, do you make sacrifice or do you give him what you think you can spare, Right? Do you get, you know, I, yeah, we talk about first fruits and we, we talk about, you know, um, you know, you know, think about what the Lord might want you to give. I don't think about it. Lord, tell me. Tell me. And I know he's going to tell me something that hurts because he's going to show me where he's God in my life and not what I'm trying to hold on to. Do I perform his work when I feel the most energized or do I use my best strength and my energy serving my fleshly desires? What if I got up here and I was a lazy preacher? What if I got up here, what if I stayed out all night on Saturday and came up here tired? I wouldn't be giving God my best, therefore you wouldn't be getting the best. That's why I don't come to your cookout. Not because I don't like you. I can't be tired on Sunday morning. Right? I'm just, don't, don't, pastor don't come because he don't like me. No, pastor got to give God his best. And I can't give God my best if I'm tired. Does God occupy most of my thought life or does he only enter my mind when I'm bored? Does he only enter my mind when I can't think of anything else or focus my mind on anything else, right? Do I seek opportunities? To do good and glorify God? Or do I wait until my conscience can no longer allow me to ignore a need or opportunity? If you are waiting for your conscience to prompt you, something's wrong with that. You ought to take every opportunity you can to perform 
good deeds to give something to glorify God. Don't you wait until your conscience can make you no longer take it. Do I invite God to be a part of my life at the beginning of each day or throughout the day? What I'm telling y'all, because some of y'all don't know, well, Pastor, how I put on the belt? This is how you put on the belt. This is how you put on the belt. Another scripture analogy should be considered here, and I'm going to close with this, right? I'm I'm early, man. It's quarter after 11. Y'all might get out of here at 1130. Praise the Lord. Everybody's like, okay, yeah. Everybody, shh, listen, shh, listen to him. Shh. Pay attention. He might get us out at 1130. Everybody leans forward. <laughs> you got to understand your weaponry, right? Let me just say it like this, right? I'm in the, right, another analogy, right? Um, and it's in 2 Timothy. Paul writes to his young preacher, Timothy. He's mentoring Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, 4. He's telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, listen to me, young man. Suffer hardships with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier in active service entangles themselves. Listen! in the affairs of everyday life. Because if you do that, you won't please the one who enlisted you. He said, Nobody, no good soldier really entangles themselves with the affairs of everyday life, so they may please the one who has listed him as a soldier. The professional soldier, the, the, the CIA, FBI, you know, uh, uh, black ops, whatever, SEALs, all that kind of stuff, right? And in order to be what they are, they have to devote themselves entirely to the soldier's life, right? I'm so glad that our military personnel are as focused as they are, right? They give up civilian or worldly affairs when you enlist in the service, right? He or she must make sacrifices. They have to keep themselves physically fit. They have to dedicate themselves to learning how to maneuver, how to handle weapons with skill. And you do that to satisfy your commanding officer. And Paul is telling Timothy the same thing. When you enlisted in God's army, your number one priority, the belt of truth, should be be to please the one that enlisted you. You ought to give your entire life to soldiering. Now, I'm going to tell you this, right? Probably not anymore because I've been retired for a little while, but when I was in service and I was in, um, when I was in police work, right, I knew my weapon backwards and forwards. When I was in service, Preston and, and, and they gave us M16s, right? I could take that M16 apart with my eyes closed. I could clean it, put it back together. I knew my weapon because I knew that this weapon might save my life one day. When I became a police officer, I just didn't have my weapon. I knew it over and over. I knew my 9mm. I knew my 40 caliber. I knew my 45. Shoot, when I started, we still had 38s. I knew my 38 backwards and forward. I knew how to shine it. I knew where it was. I knew if it was loaded at all times. I didn't forget it because I wanted to be victim. My wife told me this. Forget what y'all heard. My wife said, listen, do what you got to do to get home at night. That's what you got to do. All right, listen, listen. We had another saying that said, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. And so I understood. I understood. I understood it. And so in this Christian life, I've got a weapon too. And you've got a weapon. And that weapon is the Word of God. And you ought to understand it. You should know it in your sleep. You should know it backwards and forwards. You should glaze over it. You should be able to open up and say, this is mine right here. This is my verse. And if the enemy comes, you got a gun to hit him with. Uh, It ought to be the covering of your life. Christ ought to be the center of your life. If you want to be 
victorious in this life. Christ must be the center. Put on the belt of the Holy Spirit and start winning this fight. We, as a church body, whether you knew or whether you've been here, but as a church body, we have suffered too many losses. We suffered too many losses because we're not fighting on the right plane. We as individuals, we've suffered too many losses because you're trying to fight a spiritual battle with physical weapons. And I'm here to tell you that God is so good that he left everything that we needed for victory here and celebration later on. Give God some praise. I'm done. See, I told you if you pay attention, I'll get you out of here.